listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 52 of the Testudo Times Podcast. We took our little summer vacation, but now we are back because football season is well and truly around the corner. Training camp has started. Games begin in two weeks, and I'm beginning to irrationally think that Maryland might not be a total train wreck. It's a very exciting time of the year. This happened last year, and you can see how well that went. Uh, I'm joined by two people. First of all, Ryan Connors, one of the co-editors of this site, and who's going to be one of our main presences at uh, the newly named Maryland Stadium, the artist formerly known as Bird Stadium, of course. Uh, Ryan, how has your summer been? Uh, my summer has been good. Fairly fairly quiet, for being honest. I didn't really do anything. But... Uh, Neither have yeah. I, so come on. It's been uh, it, it's been fun getting ready for senior year. I went to a party, a family party this weekend, and everyone talked about how I was going to be a senior. So it's kind of it's starting to hit me a little bit. Well, it's it was weirder for me. I get to go around people. I get to go around. I just was traveling and came back tonight, Tuesday night is the night we're recording this. I come back and everybody says like, "Did you actually graduate from college?" And these are normal people I know, and then people who don't know me, and they're like, "You graduated from college? You don't look like you can." Yes, we know this is already the case, but anyway, this this happens sometimes. And my birthday is in less than a week, so you all owe me something. All Maryland right, wins wins is number one, but we can see what happens for other things. And the second person joining us tonight is somebody who you're going to hear a lot more of on this podcast because he is also going to be covering football. Of course, since Alex and I are no longer students at Maryland, this is very weird. Uh, Thomas Kenziora, you were on the show once uh, many, many moons ago. I think it was for women's basketball. That went well. Not. What? I actually was oh, not yeah, on that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Was, uh, you were on a yeah, recording the that didn't happen. So, yeah, so I was uh, on standby, ready to go, and... Uh, the audio didn't allow it, so yes. it was just you and Noah that time. Good, good so call. Whenever we do the women's basketball podcast again, I'll be ready. <laughs> yeah, you'll be back for that. I completely forgot about that. Good catch. So this is your podcast debut, so let everybody know who you Ooh. are, what you've been doing, if they don't know it already, and they should. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I joined this site uh, last October, middle of my freshman year, and uh, started writing women's basketball, did softball in the spring. Um, and now I'm covering football. I'm a sophomore at Maryland, and uh, it's a really cool site. And hopefully, if you're hearing this, you'll be hearing uh, more of me in the future. Yes, you will. You will absolutely be hearing more of Thomas in the future. So he's been on the ground, and Ryan has been covering a lot of stories this past off season, which has really closed so quickly. We are two and a half weeks away from Maryland's opener against Howard. We're one and a half weeks away from the first college football game, period, which is ridiculous how fast this year has gone, although that's probably not a bad thing. But anyway, uh, Ryan, in the last month since we have done a show, there's been a lot of stuff that has happened. I think we should get a quick summary of that before we get into more training camp stuff because there are a lot of interesting subplots and stories that I want to get to. So first, there's been recruiting news, players have come and gone, and then there's been all sorts of talk about lots of different players. So your quick summary of the last month. Sure thing. All right, last month, where do we start? I think <laughs> there's a lot of JC, stuff that's happened. JC yes. Jackson is probably the biggest thing, maybe the biggest thing that's happened to Maryland all summer. He, for those of you who don't know, is a corner who committed to Florida or was at Florida for a year 
then um, after some legal trouble, transferred to community college, charges ended up being dropped. Now he's at Maryland. And he's all of him was talking about the first week of practice. I mean, he made, I guess, two or three interceptions on like his second day of practice. And he's all of a sudden going to be looks like and I really haven't even seen him play that much. Obviously, I went to one practice. He seems like he he's definitely going to be Maryland's starting corner. That's pretty much a sure thing at this point. And he and Will likely all of a sudden they shore up the, the secondary a little bit. A little uh, bit. From what, a lot from really abjectly horrible aside from Will Likely to might not be abjectly horrible anymore. And there's, not, there's, there's a I huge think it gap should be, between those I, two. I think it should be, you know, Will Likely, you know what you're getting there. He's going to be pretty good. And J.C. Jackson, from all accounts, is going to be something special. And then it looks like the starting safeties are going to be Josh Woods and Darnell Savage. Savage played corner for Maryland last year, and I guess – they said he's going to play a little bit of both this season. And uh, Josh Woods, I think, is a bit of an unknown right now. But that, you know, seem, that, that position seems like it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be all right. I'm trying to think. What, that's, that's really been the biggest, the biggest football news, you know, that's hit Maryland this, uh, possibly this entire summer. I mean, the, you know, the big, news, the big story going into camp is obviously – the uh, quarterback competition. But with the way Walt Bell says he's running his offense, I'm not really sure it's going to matter. I think think the starting quarterback is going to end up being Perry Hills. But, uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot that could happen between now and, you know, three weeks from now, two weeks from now. But I think Hills just fits. uh, He just fits Walt Bell's offense the way that, like he's got the running ability that only Tyrell Pergrome can match, and Pergrome's a freshman, and that means chances are he's just not gonna be on. He's not gonna be ready. A couple other minor transfer news: Chris Jones, wide receiver who originally committed to Michigan, or not Michigan, sorry, Wisconsin, then played at Toledo, then now has transferred back to Maryland. He's former Dematha Dematha receiver. And he should get out there in some way. Teldrick Morgan, transfer from New Mexico State, was an all Sun Belt player one year. So the offense, especially wide receiver, has a lot of different options. Should be very interesting to see how many people get, in, get playing time in each game. Yes, we have seen that there's quite a bit there. Uh, Ryan, well, Ryan, I'm getting so used to asking you questions second because Alex is usually the one I ask first. <laughs> This, this is something I'm going to have to get used to. Thomas, are there any things from this summer that you want to talk about that Ryan hasn't already mentioned? I want to get back to Walt Bell because you just had a big interview piece with him that got posted uh, recently that is very interesting. And the Walt Bell offense is not the Randy Edsel offense, which is already brilliant. So before that, Thomas, are there any stories that you wanted to uh, touch on this summer? Because you've been doing a lot of profiles and other stuff like that. So what jumped out at you this summer? Um, I mean, nothing big this summer, just the general sense around DJ Durkin. Everyone is saying, you know, all these great things, and he hasn't coached a game. It's incredible to me. And, you know, I mean, everyone in camp is saying all the right things. And, I mean, Durkin himself, you know, I've had a chance to be in a few uh, little media availability sessions with him. I mean, he's really great. He's uh, 
one of the most energetic people I've ever been around, really. I don't know if he's ever stood or sat still in his whole life. He's, he's a lot of fun, <laughs> and he should be a lot of fun for Maryland fans uh, these next few years. And I think, really, everyone is feeding off of that. And it's been really fun to see. I went to uh, two practices last week. I'm on vacation this week. But uh, it's definitely something he's uh, getting to everybody. Yeah, you could kind of notice that from his introductory press conference, and you kind of noticed it from all of the stuff that we saw from the recruiting classes and whatnot. Now, recently I had a chance to go to a bookstore. Those still exist, by the way, if you were curious. And I was reading a lot of the magazines, the college preview magazines, and almost everybody had Maryland at 5 and 7. Uh, we'll get to record predictions. Our next show will be the very gigantic preview show where we'll talk about almost every position and how we think the Terps are going to do this season. But I mean, Ryan, just you think about the atmosphere, and yes, it's very easy to get excited about the team before a game is played, but every time I think about it, I, I think 5-7 and seven always seems to be underselling this team a bit, and now with J.C. Jackson, and which shores up a position that was such a huge problem for the Terps this year, she's fixed it, they fixed it all quite a bit, and now you're starting to think, you know what? They have a chance to be a little bit better than even, I guess, even the most negative among us have been thinking, and that's and that's a change from the past. That's a change from the past couple of years where we've all been overselling this team, and now maybe do you think we're underselling them a bit? Hmm, that's that's an interesting question. I'm not like I'm not necessarily in touch with, you know. No, no, no. I mean, at least it was at least it was in the preview magazines, and those are the neutral and those are the neutral observers. And I saw basically <laughs> everyone saying five and seven, five and seven, five and seven. And again, five and seven is a very reasonable thing to expect this season. But I start looking, uh, I start to think, and now that Jackson is in, and they have more depth at some positions, even though they don't, they won't have West Brown for the first couple of games of the year, they have amassed enough depth and they're more experienced than they have been in the past now you're starting to think okay they're not going to beat the big teams obviously they're not beating michigan or ohio state but they have a chance to maybe pull an upset here or there and they have a chance to at least make a somewhat decent bowl game and after last year i think that's a, a definite five and seven is an improvement of course but beyond that a chance to go maybe six and six seven and five and with all of the everybody saying five and seven and they're going to finish behind indiana I think that's underselling this team a little bit now. Uh, I think I think five and seven. You know, we can obviously get into this later well, in the next podcast. I think five and seven is how you should be selling this team. Personally, I think six and six would be great, um, and I think six and six is certainly attainable when you look at the schedule and the fact that the first four teams are teams they absolutely should beat. Then you only have to squeak out two more wins the rest of the season, and you know, ideally, you'd be able to meet you beat you know. Rutgers and Minnesota or whoever. And Indiana. But you can beat all three of them. Indiana's a, not a, not on the same level as Rutgers and Minnesota. But, um, yeah, I, I think... I never accept I mean, that Indiana's good at football. Sorry. Okay, well, that can be a different conversation. But yeah, I think I, I think five and seven should be where... Pe- I think that's exactly where everyone should be selling this team. I think that's an accurate uh, prediction. I've recently been having to talk myself down from six and six. But uh, I think five and seven is, you know, would be the safe prediction. I think, you know, a lot of people probably have a little worse opinion than of Maryland than they probably should, just because last year the team did have such a bad schedule. But the team was, I mean, Maryland was obviously unmistakably bad last year. So I don't know. 
I, I well, they were, but there are definitely differences of this team, the last noticeable ones. And the biggest change, I think, really, I mean, DJ Durkin obviously is a new head coach, but he brings in Walt Bell. And for all of the yelling and screaming we did about Maryland's offense the last couple of years, and Ryan, you just had a chance to sit down with him. He is like DJ Durkin light on offense. His offenses are very exciting. They're very crazy. They're kind of wacky, and that's going to be fun. And I think it'll tailor to the strengths of what he has as opposed to older offenses, which kind of pigeonholed the strength, which pigeonholed desires of coaches on the players that couldn't really fulfill them. And now you start to think about the potential they have at a lot of different offensive positions. Certainly, they don't have the great quarterback yet, but you think Perry Hills is certainly capable of doing some things. There's plenty of depth at wide receiver and at running back. You start to think there could be a little bit of fun with this offense this year, and certainly after last year's just epic disaster. I mean, it can't possibly be worse, right? It is Maryland, and there is an angry Maryland quarterback hating God out there. So based on your talk with Walt Bell, if you've changed your expectations for the offense, are you starting to think, a little bit more in terms of, hey, this could be a fun group, even if it's not amazing. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, my conversation with him today and just generally what he's been saying the past couple of weeks have, seems like this kind of male, the kind of offense he wants fits Maryland's personnel to a T. Because, yeah, last season I think a big problem was they just tried to throw too much when they just did not have the right quarterbacks. And their running game was decent, but they just did not run the ball enough. Which in which is somewhat defensible when you're just losing when you're when you're already losing, you know. Mm. The, the, there's there's an argument. Maybe it's not right, but there's an argument about you know. You have to pass the ball to come back from a deficit, or whatever. But we don't need to get into that. Um, I think that the way Bell describes his offense, a big thing that he describes it, you know, simplifying everything for the quarterback. So the quarterback has to make less like less decisions which just sounds perfect for a team that led the world in interceptions last year mm-hmm. and um he talked about you know big reliance on the running game and that seems like it's going to be great because maryland has potentially five or six capable running backs at least well, at think, least i think that's at least four at least yeah i think at least four freshmen can be a little bit of a crapshoot so who knows but I think there's a lot of running backs that Maryland can easily just plug in there. And, yeah, I think – I don't know. I think he knows what he has. And that's one big thing Durkin talked about, you know, the entire summer basically is that he's not – he's going to adapt to what he's got. He's not going to pigeonhole people. And, uh, yeah, I think I think things are turning up for the offense. I think the – you know, still in practice, uh, the only thing – is you know defense definitely still seems like it's going to be better than the offense right now and the defense is the side that's losing more than the offense more lost more players to graduation i mean so that's not a particularly great sign no it's not but again we're not expecting this offense to be amazing we're just expecting Mm -hmm. it to be marginally more competent than it was last year and honestly that's improvement is the name of the game here exactly and I think one of the themes, Thomas, that we're going to get to a lot in when we preview this team more extensively is the depth at a lot of positions. We've talked about, even though Maryland lost a ton at the wide receiver position the last couple of years, they still have quite a bit of depth there. And now at running back, they have a legitimate tight end threat for the first time since what? Matt Furstenberg three years ago? Because at least for a couple of years, the tight end was completely anonymous and they did nothing in Maryland's offense. And at least 
with Edwards now being a sophomore, there's more potential there. And because Walt Bell seems like he's a fun and creative guy, and he probably is, we were screaming to see Will Likely more on offense. And I don't think Walt Bell is opposed to that. I think actually he and DJ Durkin have said we're going to use him on offense. So They did, yeah. And I think, Thomas, for that, the creative aspect of this team, at least we could, again, if they're not going to be great, but at least there's going to be more creativity so they can at least be a more entertaining kind of bad in the most negative way you could put it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, college football teams are very large. And, you know, you're going to have a lot of guys, you know, especially at a you know big-time program, you know, Big Ten program kind of thing, you know, there will be a lot of guys who can definitely produce. And it's about, you know, depth is huge for injuries and keeping guys fresh during games. And so, yeah, I mean, having at least four or five running backs, you know, that will be competent and can get carries is going to be huge. And having, God, they have like seven wide receivers. I mean, I've uh, there's a chance that they're going to have uh, Tino Ellis and DJ Turner redshirting this year. But, you know, even so, they still have, you know, the Jacobs tandem. DJ Moore, DJ Moore exciting as Teldrick Morgan. Hildrick Morgan, who was all Sunbelt. I mean, between, you know, with those four and then with uh, Palmer and Davenport and those guys behind them, I mean, there is a lot. And, you know, all those guys are good. And especially with, uh, yeah, Will Likely is, you know, one of those game breakers that they just don't make a lot of those. You know, those guys are very hard to find. And definitely Will Likely uh, adds an extra element. I mean, because they're trying to, you know, work him in every little spot, they've put him in a non-contact jersey, which... Uh, that doesn't happen for corners make, very often. No, no. He used to actually make fun of the quarterbacks for being in non-contact jerseys, <laughs> he said. And uh, now he's in one, and it's, you know, That's it's a little humbling. But Yeah, but I mean, partially, uh, if I may, I think part of that is just, you know, he's too important. He can't get injured. And there's yeah. as a guy like him there's a limited amount that he's really going to get from this practice. As long as he's in shape and doing all the conditioning, I imagine he's going to be fine. Another thing, though, is that since Walt Bell's offense moves so fast, that may end up limiting the amount of time that uh, that you see likely on offense just because it speeds up the entire game. And if if the other team responds and, play, and has more plays that likely has to defend, then he might end up being just less of a factor because they don't want to tire him out too much because essentially you don't want to you don't want to tire him too out where tire him out too much where you're splitting him too much between offense and defense and kind of limiting his effect on each. I could still see a scenario in that there's a first and ten after a touchback he comes out and makes a big play or something like that. Oh, I, I think he'll definitely. I, I want to say. A couple plays per game will probably be and a couple like plays the, is better than the zero we saw at the beginning of last season. I think so, and you also wonder how much, um, how much they'll necessarily need him on offense, just with the amount of depth they have. I, they don't mm-hmm. have anyone who's quite the playmaker that will likely is, but uh, you know, I'm interested to see. Tavon Jacobs is the guy I'm just possibly the most interested to see because he's injured again, and during camp, although I think they're expecting him back pretty soon. But this, I feel like it's kind of his year to finally prove he committed to Ohio State. Like, I'm, I think this might be his year to finally, like, get out there and show everyone why he was such a, like, big recruit. 
So I want to talk quickly about West Brown because he is suspended. I believe it's for the first three games of the season. Correct, yeah. Yes. So that's the non-conference schedule. And being very kind to Howard, UCF, and FIU, who I have a friend that now broadcasts for, if he won't be listening, but you might hear him in a couple of weeks when we talk about FIU because nobody knows how, what the heck they're about. It's a USA team. Uh, Maryland can beat them without Wes Brown. And so for those three games, there are so many players at that running back position. This is why we're talking a lot about depth. That's why it's so important. And also, it gives us an idea of who is going to be his biggest understudy and who's going to be the guy that spells him the most come Big Ten time when you're going to need somebody to spell Wes Brown. We know how good he is already. I don't think Maryland fans need to have that proven to them. So I guess, Ryan... This is Trey Edmonds' time, and we could go into whole other names, and I guess we will, but it's unfortunate for Wes Brown, but unfortunate happenings to other players breeds opportunity for others, and there are a lot of running backs on Maryland's roster that are going to hopefully take advantage of this opportunity against three not very good teams. Yeah, uh, I think, honestly, I think really his suspension, obviously you don't want to say it's good, but, you know, it kind of is, because you get... It happens at the right time of the season. It you know he is a little bit more rested if uh, if that's such a big deal in college football. I still haven't college, covered college football for that long, but I imagine it's still going to be nice at the end of the season to have played three less games. And you'll give I don't know you'll probably give it'll probably give a chance to two freshmen to get a sig- somewhat significant uptick in carries, especially if the game against Howard is anything like the game against Richmond last season. Then. You know, you can see you can see five you can see five running backs in that game. I think um, if if they're not redshirting any of the running backs, that you'll see all of them get playing time in the first couple games. Um, but yeah, I think it's it really ends up only being good for the team because especially for those freshmen and even for Trey Edmonds and everyone just to get game experience in Walt Bell's new offense. Now that does mean that. West Brown doesn't get any game experience in the new offense until week four, but you know, could well, end you up think being about okay. it, Maryland has their bye week after UCF and then runs yes. the table from there with a nine game Big Ten slate. And this is the first year of nine conference games in the Big Ten. And this is the mm-hmm. first time ever Maryland's played nine conference games, which is a brutal schedule. Let's be honest here. So, not necessarily when that extra team is Purdue, but yeah. No, 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 no. But I'm still saying this is nine Big Ten games. So there's sure. going to be attrition, and that will definitely help West Brown, who could be fresher in the games when Maryland's going to need him more. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the defense, because that is DJ Durkin's specialty, and a lot was lost from that team last year. Admittedly, it wasn't an amazing defense, but losing Yannick Ngakwe is very sad, although he's now wearing teal and black for my other NF, for my other football team, which I like very much. He was very good against the Jets, by the way, so Maryland fans should be very excited. Anyway, Thomas... What stood out to you about the defense in some of the early practices? We know Ryan said that they looked ahead of the offense. That's not surprising. This is Maryland. But what did you see on the defensive side that, uh, that gets you excited for the season? There's still plenty of talent to work with on that side of the ball. Oh, definitely. Uh, Jermaine Carter is uh, probably going to be their best defender this year. Um, you know, Will Likely and Justin Jackson look like they're going to be a fun duo. And I feel like they'll also push each other in practice. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for that. Um, Roman Braglio's back. I think he'll get a 
a lot of action this year. Melvin Kane, uh, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you that didn't read Ryan's profile on him, uh, very good. Melvin Kane went from 211 to 226 a pound uh, under Rick Court. And he's still fast. So, I mean, he'll be, uh, you know, a big impact player for them. There's just a lot, you know, there's a lot going on on that defense. And uh, I think they'll be pretty good. So, Ryan, I guess there's, again, with all that personnel turnover, and the defense really suffered. Uh, obviously, Yannick Ngakwe was one. We talked about the complete drain of talent from the secondary, which J.C. Jackson has alleviated somewhat. Uh, what stands out to you about the defense in training camp as we head into? Again, we'll preview everybody next week, but what stands out to you about them in training camp? Obviously, owing that they're going a bit less than full speed against Maryland's own offense. Fair. I think um, Melvin Kane and Jesse Annabonin, they are, that's probably the most interesting position battle. People were talking about it today at Media Day. But it's, um, it's very interesting, especially to me, because I knew Melvin was going on, was, you know, uh, he wouldn't be a redshirt anymore this season. And he was a linebacker before they switched to the 4 3. And he, I guess, as he said, he bulked up a little bit. But uh, Anna Bonham is one of the guys who he was in his recruiting class. He was one of the top guys that Maryland signed. He's sort of just been waiting in the background for a while while Yannick Ngakwe was racking up all the sacks. And now that, now that Yannick's gone, you know, it's kind of his time to shine. And I think Melvin and Jesse are both, no matter who ends up being technically the starter, they're both going to be giant parts of the offense. And you can see them, I guess, we could see them on passing downs, especially. You might just take out Roman Braglia or kick him inside and have Anna Bonham and Melvin Kane rushing the passer at the same time. I think that'd be pretty cool. Anna Bonham and Melvin, I think... Actually, I'm not sure if Jesse Anna Bonham made the Under Armour All-American game, but Kane did. And that shows you a lot about how he was as a recruit. And um, other things in camp, I'm trying to think. Uh, the battle to see who's going to be the third linebacker is interesting um because we have it could be shane cockerel who was once a quarterback i think we already had one uh linebacker come quarterback in maryland's recent history and i don't really want to remember that so hopefully shane cockerel does better than that i think shane cockerel will end up being the final quarter the final uh linebacker i'm not sure it's definitely jermaine carter in the middle and um jalen brooks on the other side it also might not matter that much who the third line starting third linebacker technically is just because he might just play nickel a lot. And that means Alvin Hill, I think is just pretty much guaranteed to be the team's nickel corner. Um, so I think that could mean Alvin Hill just plays a lot and the third linebacker doesn't play as much, especially if they can't figure out who it is. But uh, I think that it'll, it'll be interesting to see, if Cockerell is the linebacker, and then it'll be excruciating to hear every announcer talk about that during every Maryland football game. Oh, but get used, if to, he's, get used to it. If he's solid, if he's solid, then I will, uh, I will accept that price. Okay. And there was one piece that Alex wrote about the run defense and how Maryland's defense is going to be really poised to stop the run this season, and that's going to be very important considering that the secondary doesn't have a lot of depth. So what do you think about the run defense? I'll get uh, both of you on this, and it'll be our last point before we end the show. 
Uh, the run defense is going to be very interesting because Maryland has had some issues in the past stopping the run. Their defensive line was a lot more set up to rush the passer as opposed to be run stuffing. But you're in the Big Ten, and you're going to be going up against quite a few really good running backs. Mm-hmm. You might need to be able to stop the run, and it looks like the team's going to be a lot better at that. So I'll get Ryan in first and then Thomas. All right. Well, I think the run defense, uh, I mean, Jermaine Carter is probably going to be, he might end up being their best run defender, but he'll be solid. I think the return of David Shaw and Adam McLean at defensive tackle it could potentially be huge. McLean's sort of an unknown quantity at this point. He, for those Not of you who Twitter. don't know, fair. Oh, everybody knows who he is because of Twitter. He's the one well, who likes to call out Penn State, and so we love him for that. Fair, fair. I think... Um, because McLean was one of their highest rec- highest recruits in the class of 2015, he enrolled at Maryland, then unenrolled. He was technically they said they had him as part of their class of 2016, but he's really not. And nonetheless, going to be a freshman this year. So I he I don't know. I like you don't know what he is, but he was a pretty highly touted recruit for Maryland. I think he's going to end up seeing some time this season. And David Shaw was their starting defensive tackle last year before going down with injury. And I think rotating them with uh, Azubuki Kondo and Kingsley Opara, who could, those two could end up being the starters too. I think all of a sudden they have four really good defensive linemen that makes it easier to stop the run on every single down. And I think DJ, Dur- DJ Durkin, obviously, you know, that he can only help. Of course. Well, we, we, we talked about the change from a 3-4 to a 4-3 that was last year. And now with everybody, I mean, it's a different system, but everybody's now a little bit more suited to playing in a 4-3 as Maryland had a lot of 3-4 personnel in the past. And playing a 4-3 will obviously, and continuing on playing a 4-3 will obviously help them out defending the run because 3-4s aren't very great at stopping the run. So, Thomas, is there anything on the uh, run defense that you want to get at? Uh, not that Ryan didn't already cover. I mean, you know, Adam McLean is like, you know, we talk, you know, there's a lot of angles on a football team, but Adam McLean is one of the more interesting kind of cases that Maryland has. Mm-hmm. You know, the highly tatted recruit that we don't know if he's going to play, you know, what kind of level he's going to play at and if he's going to play right away. Um, you know, that's something that I think will be very interesting to follow. But, yeah, for the most part, I mean, everything that Ryan said, it'll be, this defense with the four three is better equipped to stop the run, and uh, with DJ Durkin really a defensive mind at the helm, uh, they're pretty much in good hands. It's going to be fascinating to see how that unit goes up against some of the very very best in the Big Ten. Fascinating and also scary, but that's okay because yeah. this is going to be a scary season sometimes, and we're going to make sure that everybody realizes that come. A couple of a uh, couple of days, maybe a week and a half from now, when we really go into it and start previewing everything. So this was a good way of getting back into the podcasting groove. After the <laughs> next ten days, we'll have our preview show, which will be very exciting. Thomas, Ryan, and Alex will all be on it, and then beyond that, we will get back to weekly shows as football returns. And of course, you all want to hear about football every week, and there will always be stories to talk about with involving Maryland football. So Ryan, it was good to have you back on. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here. Glad to, glad to get talking. Going to do a quick plug. Going to be on TV on Holy Sunday. Holy crap, what is happening in the never, world? You're never on been on TV. TV. I'm not good at this. What are you I, going to be on TV for? Why did you not mention this off the top of the podcast? I forgot. WUSA 9, I'm doing a very quick 
thing on Maryland. I don't actually know what it is. Alex was going to do it, but he can't because he's in Pittsburgh. So, uh, so they picked up you. So they they don't know what they they're are missing. Stuck with me, and they asked if I could do it live or taped, and I said definitely taped because not you're risk- going to be terrified uh, by that red button, <laughs> the red uh, light on the camera. Yeah, oh, I'm 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 sure I will. But you're uh, going to do great, Ryan. It's okay. It's Thanks. okay, and if you screw up, only everybody on the internet will know. Yeah, well, just Certainly try. we're going to have an entire post on Testudo Times about it. Oh, I'm sure. Well, it's. It's we're going to break it down. We're nice, going to analyze nice it. Uh, for somebody who's been on TV, who's done that kind of stuff and has been on TV, yeah, it, it sucks, but you'll, you'll be fine. The red light really isn't that scary. Uh, you could read off a prompter, and you'll be fine. And everybody, everybody's going to yeah, read yeah. off a prompter. We'll just put the talking points for you in the, in the thing. And Thomas, this officially was your podcast debut. Your audio is a bit sketchy, but we can work that out, and you will work <laughs> that out by the time we get to 10 days from now. So, how did it go? How did you feel? Uh, well, you know, I was a little nervous going in, but uh, I just just put my faith in God and kept plugging forward. Yeah, <laughs> you are going to be a great coach one day. You're already talking about you're already talking coach B, and the media's gonna hate you. I can only imagine uh, how you're gonna fantastic. try to entertain yourself in the press box on Saturdays. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they don't already hate me now. Uh, well, because you're young and nobody knows you a lot yet. Okay. We're going to the try damn, to make right. sure that hate gets tamped down some. That's, that's the important thing. The damn, the damn media always trying to spin their story for their agendas. Crooked media. Crooked media. Anyway, that, that is certainly the sign that we need to stop this podcast because we're going to go off the rails. <laughs> so next week, next week, next couple of weeks from, from now, we are going to have our preview show. And then we're back to the old grind. Podcast every week as Maryland football season begins. God bless Maryland. I needed to get some Maryland football back in my life, even though it will inevitably frustrate us all. But it was great to have you on. It was great to have all of you listening. Sorry for the long month-long wait. This stuff happens in the summer with everybody's busy schedule. But of course, go Terps.